Thanks for coming on our show, Divya. <laughs> uh, on our show. What is this? Uh, thanks for coming Olivia. on our podcast. Grand <laughs> ambition. <Yeah>, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to Marginally, a podcast about writing, work, and friendship. I'm Olivia, a consultant living in Ukraine and London, working on a novel and daydreaming about lots of other projects. And I'm Megan, a librarian and freelance indexer, writing about complex women's friendships for both young adult and adult audiences. Hi, listeners. We were originally planning another episode this week, but we decided to release this interview with meditation teacher, yoga teacher, and writer Divya Kohli instead. Her new book, Finding Peace in Difficult Times, has been published speedily because of how relevant it is for the current situation in which we find ourselves. This interview is a little bit raw. We were upset and angry about the murder of George Floyd and about how much rage it took before the police officer responsible was arrested. This came after so many other deaths. Ahmed Aubrey and Breonna Taylor were most visible recently, but the systematic issues that killed them are not new and are continuing. We're playing this because activism and wellness and meditation are not mutually exclusive. In our current culture, which tends to commoditize well-being, meditation often gets used to describe a process of going inward or maybe withdrawing from the world. Meditation can help you to see what is. It can help you to see and feel your own feelings, but it can also bring you to see what is happening, what is unjust in the world. It doesn't have to be a tool of accepting whatever happens and letting it go. It can make you stronger as you commit to new action to change things. As you'll hear, Divya is a very good person to discuss this with. Her bio is that she is an Indian-born and nearly lifelong Londoner committed to sharing the tools and ways that we can stay sane and steady in an increasingly fast, complex, and stimulated world. She's a senior accredited yoga teacher and mindfulness facilitator, and she has been a dedicated practitioner of yoga and meditation since the 90s. She worked as a newspaper journalist prior to taking the path of mind-body-spirit teaching where she feels most at home. In her book, Finding Peace in Difficult Times, Divya provides simple ways that will pull us through the difficult times and which keep us nourished during them. This book is very practical. It tells you the background of her techniques and then provides very simple exercises that you can use to implement them in the here and now. As you'll hear, you don't need to be on a meditation retreat or have a perfect house or change anything else in your life to start. We first talked to Divya all the way back in season one, episode 14, when we interviewed her about her writing process, but also what yoga and writing have in common and what yoga and mindfulness can bring to your writing practice. It is worth checking that out, too, if you liked that. You can find out more about her at yogawithdivya.co.uk. I also recommend on that website, she also advertises her yoga classes, which I've been doing for years, and I do really enjoy them. Uh, And currently, because of the lockdown situation, they're online. So I do recommend uh, you to check those out if you are interested. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for coming on, though, Divya. It's really great to have you back. Um, we talked to you way back when we first started. You were one of our earliest guests. And um, now, several years later, you're back. And it's really exciting. We wanted to talk to you about that. Lovely to be back. Yeah, so much has gone on. Great to, great to connect again. Awesome. We're very excited. So in our last show, you were talking about 
Uh, <laughs> it's just going to be show on this podcast today. <laughs> That's just what it's called now. Um, anyway, so you were talking about a book that you were writing and what we, you know, we've kept in touch on chat and things like that. And what you told us about is sort of a really fascinating story that I think many writers will identify with, that you think you're writing one thing and it turns out that something else completely different kind of calls you. So tell us about that process and how that worked for you. And tell us about your new book. Okay, yeah. Uh, now that process. So when I when we connected last time here, um, uh, I think there was something going on in, in my, in my uh, writing to do with three different generations, two continents, and um, a couple of families. And um, this book that is coming out um, has absolutely nothing to do with that and is nonfiction and would get classified um, rather annoyingly, but this is life as self-help. So there you go, bit of a transition, bit of a journey. Um, so um, harboring um, ambitions of writing the next great novel, um, as, as I was when I last connected with you. Um, I did carry on with that. I lose track of time, but let's just say for a while. Um, Realised the story that I was working on as much as I loved the story. Um, I wasn't quite the right person to tell it. So um, that got parked and um, another novel emerged and um, so a smaller scale, I'd say, in terms of time frames, a bit more of a straightforward story, um, something that interested me, still involving different countries. I think that seems to be something that always interests me, culture, cultures and um, how they meet. Um, that got parked. Um, and <laughs> and I think then there was a bit of a um, bit of a break in in my regular writing routine, then, <laughs> which brings us to about last summer um, when I was going to do one of my. I think I'll just go away and get inspired and um, write my next um, attempt at some grand story that's going to wow the world. Um, and I went away and instead went swimming in the Mediterranean and exploring towns and came back not with, with not much of a story, which brings us to about autumn of last year. And th this is true. I, I was some autumn morning, September, wake up, have my cup of tea, sit on a sofa by the window, um, pull out a notebook, no particular intention of um, setting out to write anything in particular, um, but started scribbling down um, some notes about um, things that I found helpful in my life um, in terms of um, just general everyday support. Um, not necessarily yoga related, so just so your listeners know, I do I do teach yoga and I teach meditation um, and. And it just came sort of pouring out and I realized there were things that had, um, were things that I'd also been sharing with um, students and clients over the years, um, but also things I'd kind of stored in my head and also things that I had scribbled on pieces of paper that were scattered all around, that are still scattered all around my flat. <laughs> and the next morning, um, I thought, I need to sort of organize these thoughts and ideas um, because they're good, but also just um, I, I'm of the mindset that likes 
to organize thoughts and ideas. Um, honestly, had no um, intention at this point of what I would do with it. Um, that happened for about three days on the trot, but this is actually the process. So there wasn't actually a um, you know specific structure in mind to begin with. It, it was literally putting down in some in some structure and form thoughts and ideas that I've had over many many years that have either I've thought inspiring or helpful or practical for daily life living, if I can put it like that. And by around the second week, I actually started physically venturing to the notebooks and um, um, things that I've scribbled over the years and, and opening them and revisiting them and um, incorporating them. So at the moment, I'm still, I'm not even on laptop yet. This is all just um, sort of putting things together in a, in a, in a larger notebook. Um, and by about the second week of doing that, I did, I, I did think, hang on, this, th th this could be a book. Um, but not necessarily the book that I, you know, had in my head to, to write or um, in terms of sharing, should I put it like that. But I thought it could be a book that just in my head would actually help to think of these ideas as a book um, more than just collation of notes and, and that sort of thing. So actually just using the book as a format, a helpful format of um, bringing some continuity to these thoughts, but also just uh, even for my teaching and for my own reference. And, and I just continued with that. So about the fourth, fifth week. And then now we're getting to sort of a bit more entertaining I think uh, where, where this is heading um, so I live in northwest London and it was one afternoon I was just um, tr trotting down to local high street um, probably just to waste money in a coffee or something like that um, and I was walking past uh, a shop that had just turned into an art gallery so I think it, it used to be a gift shop. It was literally the day it just turned into an art gallery. And so there was this guy literally in the doorway of this um, shop now, art gallery. And he said, oh, come in, come and have a look at um, our, our art. And we're having like this opening night and, you know, have some, you know, warm wine or something like that and look at some art. So, you know, I'm looking at a picture, sort of pretending to be interested in it. And there's a, there's, Chaps all standing next to me and he's looking at the picture and I honestly can't remember which one of us spoke first and we just ended up chatting and very quickly Thomas Hardy's name came up and it transpired that we both love Thomas Hardy and we both sort of turned to look at each other this this chap was sort of older chaps kind of hippies sort of probably you know Former, former hippie type. Anyway, it's just quite surprising because it's not every day you just bump into someone in a shop and A, even mention Thomas Hardy, um, and B, both of you like Thomas Hardy, you know. Um, and, and so I, I think I said to him, oh, you know, well, why do you like Thomas Hardy? And he said, oh, he's one of my favorite writers. And when I write, I often think of Thomas Hardy. And he said, oh, you write. Um, and that got us chatting a little bit. And he asked if I wrote, write, and I did my whole sort of 
English self-deprecating, well, no, yes, no, yes, you know, no, whatever, probably no. Um, and I mentioned that I was trying to write novels and had all these grand ideas. And I hadn't even mentioned this sort of little mini project I was doing at home. And he said, well, um, I help writers. Um, if you want, you can just run by whatever you're writing um, one day and we can talk about it over coffee. Um, and I said, okay, well, that's very kind. He said, you know, I do charge. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. We, we can still do it. <laughs> um, and, um, and I think I just literally scribbled number on a piece of paper and went home and um, contacted him the next day. We arranged to meet in his um, sort of work type study a couple of days later. And when, when we did meet, I took with me my laptop and my notes on the novels that I was trying to write. So I think I'm up to about three novels at this point, sort of starting, stopping. And, and then he said, well, I think you should pick the one that's really speaking to you. And I, you know, I was sort of stumbling around and, and, and I said, well, I'm also, I, at that point, I said, well, I'm also actually just been writing something else, um, but it's nonfiction. Um, it's it's what probably the modern world would classify as self help, but I'm not I'm not quite sure what what it is. But it's basically um, things that I have found helpful in my life over the years that have helped me sort of manage stress, difficulty, keep me on a level, keep me in a balance. Um, and he said, Oh well, have you have you got anything to show me on that? And um, I and it wasn't I hadn't yet even put any of this on the laptop. And I said, Well, it's all on bits of paper. And he said, well, bring that round next time. Um, so actually what I did, this sounds very old-fashioned, you can't believe we're in 2020, but I, rather than wait for a next time, the next day, um, well, I'd taken my notes, so you're getting such laborious detail, I apologise, but I'd taken my notes to the post office, photocopied them, put them in a nice envelope, and then put it through his door the next day. And I think a couple of days later, I got an email from him and it said something like you know what you should be writing do it and I wrote back saying I don't know he said you know and he said well and, and this was a bit of back and forth um, and he said well what's flowing and I said well yeah this is what I'm doing at the moment and he said well complete it and do it and he said I find it very interesting and I think this is a book and I think you should go with that um, so very helpful, you know, as, as we know, hearing, um, the voice of anyone having sort of confidence in something that we're writing is helpful in itself. And, um, I, I shouldn't mention his name. His name's HUD, great name, um, writing coach. Um, hello, HUD, if you're listening to this. And, um, so he's, he's coached many people in, in their writing. He needs, he's sort of neither editor or sort of just someone who gets you gets you doing it out but um yeah it that definitely helped having someone who felt confident about what I had written I think I would have carried on anyway but perhaps that was that was the nudge um and it's it it, it, it did flow and it found its own form and um whole different way of thinking it sounds obvious it's non-fiction to fiction but I could even feel while I was writing it different parts of my brain engaged in the process um even different breathing and energy um between that and um you know when I'm writing 
stories and you know, neither not a case of something better or, or, or worse just different it did flow it found its own form it even found its own sort of beginning and ending it found its own why so I ended up then sort of um, I think it's the first um, couple of chapters actually of the book was a sharing of where this has even come from partly personal partly um, just a reflection of our times as well and it, and it found its ending of a kind of well if, if anyone's got this far in this book and you've got this far and you've read these um, ideas and thoughts and I don't know if either of you have, have got through it yet but it's, it's an intensely practical book it's a this is how you do this and this this is why it works and, and now try it so the ending of that is well if there's even something here that helps you in your life that's great um, but this is also where it could possibly take you as well um, and it seems like so um, I'm, I'm sort of literally in middle age now I'm 45 so that's probably pinpoint middle age but it, it feels like what this book has and is um, on, a, on a personal front are literally a collection of things that um, have helped me and have just come together in, a, in its, its own form and was actually waiting for me to put, put them down. Um, it sounds very sort of easy and, and oh lucky her and you know, you know in terms of oh she, something came to her and she could just write it and this sounds completely in contradiction to you know writing process and the stories we hear about generally you know when we when we um trying to write anything let alone a book um but but in defense of that yeah it's a reflection of 45 years on the planet so this hasn't you know there's there's um you know there's it's a reflection of the work and the effort and the inquiry if i can put it like that um that i have sort of been actively engaged in um and it felt like, uh, yeah, initially, as I say, it would have been my, my reference book, but, but actually, you know, if it helps even one other person and inspires, then put it out there. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And I do really like what you're saying about how, um, I mean, basically, if you had tried to write this book 10 years ago, it wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have been the same um, that you needed to get to this point. And I think that's something that... Um, as writers and as humans, that's really difficult sometimes to think, why haven't I done this yet? Why am I not there yet? And no, I think that that's, that's obviously, you know, one of the lessons in your, the book itself is how being present, obviously, because it's mindfulness and meditation and, you know, being present with where you are at this point and not some possible future you or something that you want to have happening like right away bang on yeah well that that reminds me of um apparently real story um of uh um a young chap in america travels to the east seeking enlightenment you know and he's he's dabbled a bit in meditation um in in, in his young adult life and then ventures east and in seeking sort of real deal enlightenment um, and goes to a Zen Buddhist monastery of high repute and arrives there and um, seeks to, to, to have an audience with, um, I'm sure they don't call this um, the, the right type, the head Zen Buddhist priest. That's probably all wrong labeling, but anyway, you get the idea. And um, this young chap uh, is, waits at the doors of this monastery to get this audience with um, 
the main teacher there and finally gets it and enters and then you've got the Zen Buddhist monk teacher there just silently sitting in the corner one cup apparently to the side and this young American comes in and um, says you know I've, I've come here to um, uh, seek enlightenment you know how do I get there and as you might suspect, not, not much is forthcoming in response to, to that question. And this young American says, well, I'm prepared to give 10 years of my life to this. And I will stay here and I'll learn from you. And I've heard all about you and I'll do whatever it takes. And at that point, this um, Zen teacher speaks and says, no. And uh, the young American says, well, what, what do you mean, no? Um, and he says, no, it, it won't take 10 years. And so this young American chap says, okay, okay, well, um, I'll work harder and I'll devote myself more than any other person has done who's come to this monastery before. And I'll take on extra chores and, you know, get volunteering and I'll do everything that you've done. And, um, and the Zen teacher speaks back and says, um, well, in which case it will take you 20 years. And this young American is sort of like aghast and, um, you know, he's sort of saying, well, um, listen, I've, I've, I'm really committed. I've come here, I've come all the way. I've given up everything in my life in America. Um, and um, I don't understand why doing more and being more committed means it will take me longer, you know, to find enlightenment. And so, the Zen Buddhist teacher says, because all the time you've got one eye on where you're going, it means you've only got one eye on your present. No, but I think like that is the thing is, you know, this idea that you need to get somewhere, uh, which basically in itself implies that you're not somewhere where you are now, right? Without going to like, whatever, vague. Um, yeah, so I think it's really like, you know, for the writing process, like the more you say, yeah. like how imperfect something is, uh, the less writing you're going to do. Like you are very unlikely to finish a book yeah. if you sit there thinking about how your book is not perfect enough. You know, it's something yeah. I'm like constantly dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Um, or but, even the other way yeah. around of the end product. Um, <laughs> so I like what you've said. My When I heard that story was, you know, when you've got so much your eye on the prize, um, which in today's culture, uh, writing amongst other things, is so prevalent. Um, uh, I, was, I had a, a, um, an interesting chat, I think, the other day with um, Chris Gilbo, the, the guy who's written a, a ton of these self-help books and you know, several New York Times best-selling books. And... Um, it was a one hour um, sharing he was giving about the writing process. Um, and, and it was a webinar. So you had hundreds of you know, writers around the world sort of, um, on, on, listening to his every word. And it, and it was full of tips and it was full of insights and you know, whether it's how to get your book done or you know, how to find your voice um, and some more practical stuff about publishing industry and all, you know, all of it. And, um, and, and I'm listening to it and I'm seeing the faces, you know, on the Zoom of everyone like, oh yeah, that's a gem, that's gold, you know, and being inspired. But, um, but gosh, to how far has that taken you, right? From 
the, the doing and the being um, and but you need both as we as we know but at the end of the day I you know well we can only speak from our personal experience but and I can only speak from how so this is the the first book I've published so you know hope hopefully if I write more then I can speak from from more breadth on that but from from this experience what what, what it's showing me is that actually from the inside out just letting what was there come out um is it coincidence i had no you know for this what i've just written and, and having published i had no um agenda <laughs> to start off with uh i didn't even i wasn't even thinking of publishing until even after i'd even written it actually that wasn't um even there so, um but on the other hand it it seems and i'm sure this is true of fiction as well as non-fiction i know there's so much difference in not just process but um you know the the, the kind of um um the energy of it but um it it, it does also seem and I, this is also true of you know the the industry that I work in as a teacher, yoga teacher, that if you are very particular about process, goals, structure, where you're heading, you know, um, follow the tips, that, 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 that could very well get you to places that otherwise you couldn't. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, I find it, yeah, I, I, I find that um, not difficult, but... Uh, well, I, I think I don't know is what I'm saying. I don't know how much um, being very clear on where and what you want to do with your work and where it will end up will play in it, it transpiring into something or, or not. It's maybe different for everybody in each project. But some people are, are superb at, you know, all of this, not just brilliant writers, but in how they're then going to... Um, the after effect, I suppose, you know. Yeah, and some people are better at that than, I mean, right? Like, everybody has different talents, right? So you never know. But I do think, I mean, not overthinking at the very beginning, at least. I mean, to get through a lot, like, to write a novel, right? At some point, you should make a plan because otherwise it's, like, <laughs> not a good scene. Uh, but that, yeah. that often, like, in some of the best writers that I really identify with, like I personally cannot plan at the very beginning of something. Like you just sort of have to see where it goes. And to be honest, like now I'm basically planning the beginning of a book that I'm trying to finish. So it's going really great. Um, mm. But yeah, so <laughs> there are different approaches. But what I really like about your book is like if, just to move on to like um, the, the structure and the format. There are a couple of things. So it's very, as you say, practical but it's very like I like the mix of story and narrative as well as the practical side right so it's not like do this checklist and then you're gonna get this thing you know it's yeah. very much about like putting you on a road or a journey and I also really like that it so there's like various things that I listen to like guided meditations through podcasts or mm. whatever mm. but then you're on the internet to get them right so you can definitely put like download this book and put your phone in airplane mode and you don't have to be on the internet to access it, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel yeah. like it's something that is, that it needs to be live. And I really like that. And also gives you a lot of power for how you move through them. So you're not relying on someone else. So maybe if you could talk about that. And yeah. What meant to you. 100%. Oh, you, yeah. The word power like that. Um, as much as it might be possible to do so through the writing um, of this book, 
is the idea that um, I want to give you, whoever's reading it, um, the power, not me. Um, uh, so, um, you know, leaving aside some expert or you know um, instruction or that kind of thing, was um, you know how through um, how through writing can you empower someone? Um, and in this instance, it's about empowering someone with their um, finding their strength, um, their own inspiration, their own comfort, their own peace, um, their own will, their own um, connection to what moves them, both internally and externally. It's, it's quite a lot, isn't it? So um, that 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 was the idea behind moving from putting my notes in a nice order for, for my own clarity and actually making it a book. So the making it a book was not about, um, oh, God, this would be a good book, and I can see this, you know, on the shelf of Waterstones next to X and Y. Um, and nothing wrong if, you know, someone has that pitch because if it's going to work and help, why not? But it was having put those notes together thinking how, how, how and, and could this possibly just literally be ha put into the hands of someone to then um, be their own companion um, for themselves and their own self-discovery. Um, and so there's a, the element of the guidance and the structure. Yeah, the structure was um, the, I'm, I learn well and absorb well through structure, you know, and tell me why I'm doing something, tell me why it works, break down how I do it, and then inspire me. So as you, as you mentioned, um, Olivia, there's stories in there. So I could have done you know, thousands of stories. So for every um, tip or guidance or exercise that's in the book, or collection of it, I should say, um, there's then um, a real-life story of, of that in action. And it's the kind of story that isn't, um, so, you know, um, Peter felt stressed, so he, you know, did this meditation technique and then felt better. You know, it, it was more, much more real life in the sense of, and they're all people I, they, I know, um, you know, a situation that you find yourself in. And, and it's often when we... <clears throat> need stabilizing or de-stressing that it's the hardest moment you know to do it and it's all very well in hindsight or when we're fine so sort of showing how that comes into play and in action but in a perhaps more um imaginative way you know so it, rather than i'm just going to count up to 10 and down again and calm down it's, again usually when that would help is the you know, least opportune time that we'd go to it but um but what the resonance of that is and em empowering you to um, to do it without contrivance, I suppose. So actually, um, and this is in the introduction of it, there's a bit of me sharing uh, a, a paradox of the last thing I want to do is add more information to the information that's already out there make people feel either inadequate or now they have to you know, learn this or do this. Um, and also um, not be that voice that says, you know, I've, I've got it sussed and, you know, if we philosophically look at life this way, then we can move through life, you know, with peace and, and, and steadiness. Um, and yet, in a way, you know, 
you know, in, in some ways that is what the book is sharing. So, and I, um, and, and I think that's one of the, the challenges of this particular genre, um, whether you call it personal development or spirituality or self-help is, um, you know, how, how, how you try and be authentic and real um, in that without just adding to the, you know, the next, the next voice of, you know, and then being the next thing and um, trying to suggest that, you, you know, you've got the answers as it were. But at the same time, you want to be helpful and, and um, share things that people can use in their everyday life. Um, and that also feeds back to my own personal sense of, well, who the hell am I to share this and to tell anyone anything? Um, there's a lot of that. And I'm surprised that that didn't get in my way of this book because I'm usually filled with that. Um, not just as a teacher, as a human being. And I think that's where it helped um, bumping into the chat into, in the art gallery shop. Um, I'm, I'm working on um, two more books at the moment and I'm, I'm still, um, what's holding me back on them is, uh, so, um, is uh, who am I to, you know, sh share these views about the world and, you know, how we can approach things. Um, I've got that going on big time. Um, but you know, the writing flows out and so I just sort of let it. And, um, I think that might be something that's with me, you know, always rather than now I'm over it. Um, yeah. You touched on something just briefly about how you don't want to look right now or at any point, like you're saying, well, I've got it solved. So if you just do what I do, then you'll be perfectly fine and you'll go through life untouched. Um, and I think right now, especially is a time where, I think there that there's a lot of that going on, um, and if this isn't anything new. I mean, for years and years, there have been pieces all over about. Um, I think about once every six months, I read one in the Guardian about your old your old home. Uh, read one in the Guardian about the commodification of mindfulness and how it's being used. Um, and right now, we have not just a pandemic, but we have a pandemic that has forced a lot of people who were trying to ignore big structural inequalities, forced them to at least have to hear about it more often than they want to mm. or have been. Um, a lot of other people already knew that right. those inequalities were there. Um, while we're recording this, we are, we are a couple days past another police murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. You know, protests for two days and still yeah. no arrest of the police officers who did this and all kinds of injustice and things. And an Angela Davis quote keeps recirculating. That's a flip mm -hmm. of the, you know, mm -hmm. except things I cannot change, but it's her quote that she is done with that yeah. and is going to change things she cannot accept. Yeah. Um, and these are all kind of tied in together, but I guess the things that I am drawn to is how do we then what, how is meditation helpful in this instance in that it doesn't just, it's not, it can be used almost weaponized um, to make people stay where they are, um, but it can also be used to help you, I don't know, maybe I'm answering it for you, but the idea of changing yourself so that you can get out and change um, what's outside mm. so yeah I, I love that you're sharing this um surprisingly in my industry or in the ether other than the odd guardian article 
this isn't really brought up much actually or not as much as it could be even dare I say it amongst the sort of big wig meditation teachers and writers and personalities and what I'm, I'm not hearing much anyway in fact where I hear this debated is much more on local and community level so I'm really glad that you've brought this up I've got tons to say on this so I need to really edit myself here my conversation with you um you know uh, for someone who believes that you know her uh, you know or who doesn't believe in sharing her own opinions I'm about to um so my understanding of meditation perhaps helped by some great teachers that I've um had, had fortune to be in presence with lots of reading uh, maybe maybe also within me having some um eastern heritage might might sort of add another um perspective on this is if if we're really being present we will be present with what is there internally and externally so um I'm hesitating saying if we're if we're if we're truly doing meditation if we're doing it correctly because there's so many ways of approaching that and no one has an authority on that. But I, um, my understanding of meditation is really just being present with what what is. So um, we you know um, this pandemic is really bringing to the surface um, or if we want to see it what is as you rightly pointed out. It's almost a meditation to be able to sit and be with that and see that. Um, to to the point um, yeah so. Meditation has become popular, let's face it, um, because it, it helps people feel better about themselves, manage stress in the, in the main. That's why it's become so self-soothing, uh, compassions of, you know, self-love, all of this, um, centering, you know, my focus, my peace, uh, my better night's sleep. Um, and then another piece to that is um, performance, you know, if I'm more steadiness and I will so there's a lot of the I and the I and the me in my world and and, and that's that's great you know who who in this world isn't concerned with their own well-being you know you'd be pants on fire if you, you deny that but if you're if you're truly with what is not just within so going within and seeing what's there there's a couple of ways um of looking at this if you're sort if you're spiritually inclined and I'll just use that word I've got no problem with it you feel at some point that life isn't just about you, that you're connected. And so when you go in and you get used to going within you, you can sit with that. Um, almost by default, the, the sort of the mini world of the you, you, you go beyond that. I think if you're, if you're meditating, um, then that, that would happen. And, and you would feel that. I mean, it's then up to you what you do with that. The, the interconnectedness is what. I'm showing um, but also if you approach meditation not just as a tool and not just as an, another thing that you do that helps you if you approach it from the sense of inquiry um, then it isn't just about the individual going within it's the way you look at anything actually it's a training um, so so what you know when we bring um, try and bring neutrality and awareness and capacity to be with ourselves, whether that's a good day or a bad day, that very same training capacity is for being able to then see what's around us, not just our own world. So um, uh, truth-telling, yeah. So if we're looking, um, so 
a lot of people sort of divide meditation between um you know well-being and inquiry um and my short response on that is well both you know um uh you know um i i like to personally i like to look after myself so that i can hold the bigger subjects in my life and what's going on around me um you know if i'm a crumbling mess then a my perspective is going to be skewed um and b you just you, know, you end up scrambling and burn out um it's not for me to say what anyone else's intention should be and you know the, the look at the, the, the care that they they need to give themselves but i i do think that if we're um approaching meditation as it's as it is the truth of it then actually it breaks through um the smaller perspective and into the wider new and that then comes the the next step you know if you do go there and you allow yourself to get of, of your question of well you know then one you know the action part but then you're in a better position if you're a bit steadier and a bit clearer and you've got this wider perspective that's a much better position to even consider what's going on around you even how you react um and and then potentially proceed um you know whether it's just the um you know what cause you support or the kinds of conversations that you have with people um so i know the you know the, the way i might um bring up or discuss difficult subjects or polarities or politics or inequalities um is hopefully um in a kind of more steadier place but still impassioned than it would have been say 10 or 20 years ago when um I had a lot of fire in me but it would be just you know shooting from the hip maybe not coming from a place of being centered within um but by no means does that mean I'm not then going to still be you know active participant out there it also means you can handle <laughs> just about sometimes um the frustrations a little bit better um so you know you're in your country in my country there's a lot at the moment that is just you know beggar's belief you know what do you do with that you know and uh, the the natural human response certainly around me as well either i've had enough so i'll just look after myself or my you know what's going on in my four walls and my life it's totally understandable um and um because if you if if you if you don't have the inner tools to handle that then that's you know but yeah by now, but the, the other thing though is um in in the truth telling in the truth thing so in the in, in the inquiry you are going to see and feel more potentially so that could be another reason why you know, people don't go there you know, um so it's not just not having the tools but you know it's, it's um that that's why you need something regular um in your life um it doesn't have to be meditation but regular grounding regular connection and that that really does connect and i haven't deliberately mentioned that to mention my book but the things in the book are the the things that you can just weave into your everyday um and they may sound not connected at all to what's going on in the bigger picture but they are because it's just feeding you those nuggets of um you know breathing a bit better a bit more steadiness being able to have some pauses between just a rush of feeling or thoughts yeah and i i'm i'm i i feel that if we're truly being honest with ourselves in our own life i feel that it's very hard to then 
not see that you know what's going on around you so i but i think what what happens and what's going on um understandably is that we're very selective with what we do want to address in our own lives and therefore we'll inherently be you know selective with what's going on around us i where i grapple is that with the what next so um is in what can i do and where i'm at with that question and in, in terms of let's say what's going on around us now in the current situation is sort of local and small um, action or thought or engagement. So as I say, even conversations, they're not being afraid to have um, difficult conversations or you know, raise your voice. And it could even be with a partner or something like that because it has a ripple effect um, or through your work. And then just, um, just a respect, a sort of, I, I would feel it's very disrespectful if I'm not even just noting and acknowledging the things that are not right that's going on around us. Now, again, a lot of people say, well, that's a lot of energy. You can't change it. We know that with a political situation, that puts off a lot of people. There's nothing you can do. But I feel that's quite an affront to, um, you know, our capacity and our intelligence and our um, ability to feel and to honour actually these things. From that, things do slowly and gradually can, you know, evolve and um because if we all just choose to focus on our own little segments in life it's just yeah what we know yeah i mean that's kind of what we're seeing going on it's such a big topic right um one comment is i think like this idea that i mean i like i definitely fall victim to it myself right like oh there's no election here anytime soon so we can't change anything so like whatever right like just i'll deal with that later or something it does, it is disrespectful yeah. to the, like, frankly, rage that yeah. you feel at some of the things that are happening, right? So even if you cannot personally directly impact on that situation, really, like, or it doesn't feel like that, that's part of the whole lie anyway, is this idea that only particular types of action count, right? Uh, and so I think that's one one thing. To circle back a little bit, a question that I have is kind of a basic question but I think it's something that a lot of people grapple with is how do you meditate when you're really angry Mm -hmm. or like when you have a really strong emotion like it doesn't that's like probably the last thing that you think that you should do like in that moment and you deal with it head on in your book so but I think it's it's worth a discussion absolutely yeah thanks for asking this um so I think there is a range of emotions. So you mentioned anger, but then there's 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 a range of um, emotions, and and I think each one can affect us in different ways. So just starting at the sort of lesser end, um, if we feel discomfort, I think it is possible to be and 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 do something even for a minute or two with that. So it could be noting the discomfort. And taking a minute minute out of your day and noting the discomfort and um, and I'm speaking here mentally emotionally or physically if there's any one thing you could do to just um, not placate it but to to be with that and to make it a bit of a lesser charge you know whether that's going for a walk or um, just feeling your feet on the ground or something like that and and that's again where knowledge is helpful you know these little tools um, are helpful um, and they work, you know, as a, uh, on a spectrum. So there's that, and I'm, I'm just picking a few things here. If it's, um, say, the other end of the spectrum of just deep, strong rage or anger, um, I, I think in that moment, um, well, well, I mean, it's you're probably not even, 
yeah, there's no space there in, in that moment, to, to not only to just sit and meditate, but to even think clearly or um, be in that realm. So a couple of things to say on that is um, that's why it's important for all of us. It doesn't have to be meditation at all, but to have something going on in our life, just ticking along so that when we are in those moments, we're supported internally rather than meeting it head on. Um, it's like training. Um, and what it will mean is not that we won't ever feel rage or anger, but it, it does feel different. It does that, that rage and anger, it feels different if we've been doing some sort of awareness practice, um, you know, in, in any form as, as compared to if we weren't. So that anger or that rage would just swallow us up otherwise. Um, so they t there's a lot of talk about witnessing and being aware and all of this. Um, although I do think very strong emotion, it has you, you know, so, you know, being all clever and intellectual and watching it is not, you know, it's almost a bit psychopathic, but, um, but, but, but it does. Yeah. So you've kind of had, you're planting, um, a little bit in the seedbed of yourself and, and it, and, and, and it, it, if, even if the anger is still there for, for a while, it it will be it will quieten a little bit and over time and that's that's the time then to maybe meet it more whether that's with your body or your breath or maybe meditation but there's there's many ways also to to meditate but then there's things like you know maybe there's just like a low level anxiety or there could be you know a, maybe a loss i mean i have friends who've, who've lost um family members um to COVID-19 and um that that's a whole other scenario you know then it's more about compassion and soothing and awareness and that is not the time to think of you know the bigger political picture and um working on yourself and what have you um there's still tools though and I, I'm you know but there's a lot in this book that I've written that has come out of the fact that I I had none of these tools when I could have really benefited from them whether it was day-to-day -day anxiety or when I lost somebody you know um, there are still um, things that we can do that are not necessarily meditation but maybe meditative um, yes it's, it's quite nuanced I I, I, I love this uh, line of um, whoever who knows who said it but when you're in the eye of the storm you're in the eye of the storm so it's when you're slightly you know a bit away from the eye of the storm is is the the time to whether it's grounding or and then when you're a bit further away from the eye of the storm would be the action whether that's for yourself or for another but it's never too late you know if you know it's not about age it's not about whether you've done meditation before or not but you know you know any time we can just start in our daily lives just being present and aware and i think that's what you said megan start you know being being present just something like just get that going on just some of that going on It'll, even if it feels really contrived in fact contrived is fine because then you know you're working with the malleableness of your um you know your mind that's good training yeah? you know we, we know how we like to feel things and we're physically sort of training a workout so contrivance you know when you're working with your minds and your patterns is a good sign yeah so it's um but it, it does it it pays off in those moments and um the, the buzzword at the moment resilience yeah so you bounce back or if you don't bounce back you you know you're less thrown you know something that 
may have got you angry or upset for days or weeks and then made you ill and made you not sleep well, maybe, uh, you know, you feel that and then actually 24 hours later it's a bit better and then you, you could, then you have a calmer night's sleep. I mean, that to me is brilliant. If someone has gone from being, you know, hijacked every time they, you know, feel injustice or upset or whatever to they still feel it but then you know the downward curve came quicker and they managed that um and it didn't then put them off from being engaged in life yeah so that's massive yeah this is it yeah I really like what you're saying um about that and the idea that that the purpose is not to not feel things or that that emotions like anger and fear and despair are bad it's just the idea that you mm. you feel them and the actions are separate from the feelings um, and how you kind of can work mm. through that um, but I also was thinking about um, you're talking about having a practice and not just not just a meditation practice but kind of other structures in your life that support you internally yeah. um and obviously, because this is a podcast about writing, most of our listeners are going to immediately yeah. think of their writing practice and how, yeah. I guess, where this, where this kind of all meshes together is when you're having these really strong feelings, it can be difficult to do anything other than just yeah. be in the middle, like you said, be in the storm. But you also, most of us probably feel better when we are writing or doing that practice, that artistic practice that really serves as a way of grounding. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about your chapter. This is my favorite chapter in it, and I think it's really applicable right now. You probably know it's coming is the at home chapter, um, mm -hmm. since we are all at home. And you, you talk about the different things in our homes um, from housework mm -hmm. all the way through. And, you know, we're all right now doing dishes 8,000 times a day and everything is all piling up. And, yeah. um, but at the same time, you talk about art for art's sake and all of these, these other practices that serve. And that's what I love about this book is it's not just about how do you sit on a cushion cross-legged with your eyes closed for 30 minutes and count your breaths. Yeah. It's all of the external things that you can take yeah. as internal. So I don't know if you wanted to, if you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for mentioning that chapter. Yeah, because that's, um, that's something I've not come across before in the um, arena of whether it's meditation or even in books. Um, the, the idea of just how your everyday interactions um, can be elevated or transformed into life practice. So, you know, even the way you... Um, you know, walk, arrange your room or, um, yeah, wash your clothes or things like this, they, they, they can double up so that they are what they are, you know, the, the, the function, but they can double up as practice. And again, that might seem contrived, but actually it, it makes life um, richer as well. Um, and you can, you know, you can feel that while you're doing it. So, um, so I <laughs> okay. I don't know if I kind of buried the question. Um, I think, you know, how can we not just approach that just being like stuck at home, but how can we, while stuck at home, reconnect with those? I really loved the art for art's sake, for instance, um, and the idea of, you know, a lot of people have a journaling practice that's separate from their writing, writing practice, um, or things that. Yeah 
yeah, ways, I guess, to not lose the stuff that makes us who we are just because we're in a different situation. So there's, there's lots been shared and said about how, um, you know, there's, there's writing for, you know, what, what we want to do with it, our writing, whether it's a story or information, or, I mean, it's usually to share something. That's why we then want to, um, um, put it, put it even down. Then there's uh, writing as, as even seen as spiritual practice. I've heard many people say writing for them is like meditation. Um, writing is therapeutic practice, like artists for a lot of people. I think why not as, as an individual, your writing can be applied and or, or appropriated um, for, for all these things and more, you know, depending on situations. So, you know, if your big thing is to get your novel done, then that has its time and place both literally and in your life and in your headspace. Um, but absolutely to maybe also look at how uh, another facet of writing can support you in other ways, not necessarily relating to that aim, or indeed it could be a whole other activity. Um, I think, you know, so I'm on and off on the journaling. I, um, I'm not sort of journaling at the moment, but for example, so I am writing um, um, a, a second book or, or sort of collating um, and doing some research for that at the moment. And for me, it works to have that as, you know, almost like a, a mini job, you know, as it's, it's like, it has its um, job remit. Um, and say, so bringing it to this current situation, and, and there was a couple of days ago, actually, I was just, you know, really thrown by a mixture of some personal events that are relating to what's going on on the biggest stage and then also what's going on on the political agenda. I was just thrown, I was just completely um, grounded and uh, zombified and oh, it, was, it was a whole day of it. Um, so uh, the sort of my, the job part of my writing, that, that wasn't going to happen. Um, and the, the, the meditation part, well, I, I laid down and let someone speak to me through headphones and you know guide me through something relaxing. So that was that bit. And then actually that evening, um, I just did stream of thought of what was what was frustrating and hurting and, and, and paining. That was just a privacy thing. And then later, um, Olivia might know I'm sort of up, up late often, um, I did a Facebook post because something in me did need to share through words. Um, but um, leaving it sort of much later in the day was helpful so it wasn't just a personal kind of gush it was um there was something in me that that felt a need to write and share beyond myself about what was going on and particularly in that 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 week um on our um political landscape but mm -hmm. but I did include something in there about how that was resonating me personally and so none of none of this was planned so you had a day of well you know my book writing didn't happen that day um my sort of formal sitting practice i probably didn't happen that day either but went for the relaxation element and did that whole survival get through the day without you know um sort of <laughs> just just the, the doing the, the basics um then finding just pouring out words just as a, as a way of getting out was me and then actually writing something a little bit more structured and I suppose that was my way my tiny little act of activism that and on that you know to, to put that so that doesn't happen every day but um just showing that as an example of how um you know your your passion doesn't have to be um just confined in in you know 
one format and um, you know can spill through meditation, writing, whatever, um, you know, cooking, you know, if you love cooking, it doesn't have to be a great meal every time and you can have other, um, in fact, that's, I think that's great actually if we can find um, ways of um, engaging in things for different contexts and, and support. Um, and uh, this is big time relevant to, to the book, things that don't rely on other people or buying things or, uh, I mean, that's all good and that's all helpful. So a lot of this is the inner, yeah. So, you know, if you, if writing is something that, that truly you love, um, and there, I mean, that's one of the beauty of, of, of that act is all you need is you really, you don't even need a pen, you know, you can do. Um, so all of these things are just, they're, they're within you, you can access. Um, you mentioned it's the, the chapter in the book about the home and that came out of, and that was written before the pandemic, but yeah, it feels even more relevant. Um, you know, that, that, you know, there's, well, there's great inequality in housing and there's difficulties in that, but there's also that sense of, yeah, when you're at home, it's, we just, we just fall into our routines and yet everything is there just like it is within us to not so much practice on, but to be practice, um, to engage with. It doesn't matter what, what your um, home is like or how much you have or how little, but yeah, just, yeah, life is practice. It's a cliche, but practice is life. Yeah. No, I really, I uh, really liked that. And it's like, there are not that many of these books that talk about the reality of renting or having a roommate. It's not about yeah. having some huge estate. I mean, Megan and I, we send each other like hate reads all the time that are like, I have a perfect marble bathroom yeah. and I'm very peaceful. And you're like, yeah, I bet you are, you know? Uh, and so I really think, I mean, it's just like very, I mean, that uh, permeates the entire book so it's not for yeah. people who have like some fancy mansion and they just need a little bit of like to help with their anxiety although those people may also want to read that book um, but it's about real life you know yeah and inevitably because I've written it there'll be elements that are totally um, you know come out of not just my current situation but there is a lot from from former times as well um and yeah on the writer's thing for example yesterday i was listening to mark nepo poet and writer um and um another one with you know tons of new york times bestsellers and there seemed to be a lot of those anyway and you know he speaks beautifully and he has a big following and he was asked the question you know in the pandemic time tell us about your routine and how it's changed and probably like a lot of writers, he said, oh, well, it hasn't really changed and it's been really peaceful and whatever. And I mean, he's, he's I'm sure he's a, a lovely man. So this is not a, uh, you know, <laughs> this is not a gripe, but you know, he talked about, you know, the waking up, going upstairs to the study, you know, whatever. And then he goes for the walk and then he's by the river and then he meets his wife for lunch, you know, that kind of thing. And then he might have some more ideas. And then, I mean, who has that life, right? Uh, well, <laughs> many of us don't have you know yeah 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 um exactly yeah exactly yeah. and I'm um so I mean well in fact so I you know I process that for example like how I'm reading that how I take that in I let myself feel the you know you lucky so-and-so emotion or whatever <laughs> and um you know and there's you know there's nothing else on his agenda or on his plate and you know having that dream life of the the writer so letting yourself feel the and go through all of that but exactly yeah Olivia was was well 
but am I going to let that get in the way of, you know, my presence and my writing and my passion and, you know, step back, both go in, see what's around you. Yeah. There's, 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 you know, and it's, um, it's enlivening actually, um, to re-engage with your life and what you don't have in a different way. Um, and then maybe even inspiring for our writing in some ways. Um, I think that's a great place to leave the interview. And then, um, no, I, like I could talk to you, as you know, for a really long time. Um, <laughs> but so we'll have to yeah. pick up separately. But I think, I mean, that is a really good ending note, I think. So thank you very much for coming oh, on. Thank you podcast. so much. No, thank you. And that's it for this week. You can find us online at marginallypodcast.com and on Instagram at marginallypodcast. Our email is podcast at marginallypodcast.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our newsletter. The sign-up form is on our website. And if you enjoy the show, please consider rating it and leaving a review in your podcast app and or sharing an episode with a friend. This will help us to grow our community. Thanks for listening and happy writing. Marginally is produced by the two of us, Megan and Olivia. So excuse any amateur issues. We're working on it. Theme music is It's Time by Skarika Rikaska. Show notes for every episode are available at marginallypodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Marginally, you might also enjoy one of our favorite podcasts, Hashtag Writing with Jess and KJ. Every episode is full of great information and encouragement. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts or find the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening.